of the suicide, that I was ugly, that I didn't have no purpose, that, um, you know, even if I wasn't here, nobody would care. And um, I just remember walking through high school and I did all the different clubs. Like I was in sports, I was doing good and good grades. And on the outside, everything looked good, okay. But in the inside, I was dead and I was dying and I was crying out, but it's like nobody can hear you. And then um, I remember coming to the youth group and I seen how free people were just worshiping God. And, and um, like I remember feeling the presence of God and his love for me and I felt accepted. And um, I gave my life to Christ, and then ever since then, like, I've been just wanting to know him more, and um, he set my heart on fire. And even now, um, I'm in Bible college, which I never thought I would go to Bible college, but um, just seeing you guys here is just a blessing and an honor and privilege for me, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I love you guys, and that's part of my testimony. Turned it off on me. All right, guys, we're going to pray right now before we get into the word. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, we thank you, God, for, for this time, God, and we take it seriously, Lord. And every single one of us here has a different story, God. I pray that you would meet us each individually, God, that you would transform us, that you would change us, that we could have a testimony about your love, about your power, about your holiness, about who you are. God, we thank you for this time, God, and we just ask you be here, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. As we, you heard uh, Stephanie's testimony, you know, she was captured by the love of God. I'm going to let you guys know a little bit about myself because, you know, last week I didn't introduce you to, to myself, really. But my name is Ali. I am happily married to Leilani over there. And um, I'm going to let you guys know, man, like, I got saved about 10 years ago. It was, I was, man, this is so long ago, I don't even remember now. It was, I was 15, I believe. I was 15 years old. And where I was at that point was I was hitting rock bottom. I hated everything. I hated everyone. I hated myself. I was a Satanist. I was reading a Satanic Bible, but then again, I didn't believe as much into it. So what I did was I manipulated people. I, had, I was basically a leader of evil, if you would say, to people. I told people to stop believing in God. We would vandalize crazy stuff. I would draw pentagrams all over and things. I was full of rage. Um, I was out of control. I was in a relationship, and, you know, obviously we, were, we weren't doing it the God way. We were doing it the wrong way. And, uh, man, I was just so desperate and so lost. I was so hungry for the truth. And I just remember at that time, I was just so crazy, and I'm telling you, like, the girl that I was with, she thought that I was crazy, and she was, like, the one who's, like, seeing demons and all that stuff, and it was crazy stuff, but she thought, I was like, I'm done with this guy, I'm leaving him and all that. I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but we both went to a youth group. It wasn't this youth group because 10 years ago this one didn't exist and whatnot, but about 10 years ago we went to a youth group, and uh, I was so just angry with everybody, you know, so it was kind of like in November, it was cold, I had a hoodie on, but underneath the hoodie, I had a shirt that said, beware of God, and I had a pentagram on, and when everybody tried to talk to me, I was like, don't talk to me, I'm really sad, I'm really desperate, I'm really, I'm really serious and dark and all that, and, you know, at that point, when I was there, oh, yeah, you can tell, you can say to, to me or to anybody, you could have easily have seen it in my face, man, this guy doesn't want to be here, he's angry, this doesn't make sense for him to be here, but you know what happened? The word was preached. 
And when the word was preached, it was a specific word that came about. And it really touched my heart. It made me search who I was at, the, at that time. The basic premise of this, the, the sermon was, this is your, whole, your life. Are you who you want to be? And I thought to myself, I'm just way too jacked up in this life to say that this is what I want to be right now. Obviously, I don't. And I started seeing all the faults, and I started seeing all the mistakes I was dealing with and all the sins and the real purpose of my life. And needless to say, you know, I walked away kind of confused, but at the same time, I was still angry, so I kind of went back into it. A few months later, when I came back into the actual youth group, I talked to one guy that I, he had like crazy, he had crazy spiky red hair, and I thought this guy could not be a Christian. You know, he was like, he was a singer of a death metal band. The name of the death metal band was called Acidime 7. I'm talking about it was like straight up screamo type of stuff. You know, and it was, it was cool, you know, and I thought to myself, is this really, can I really do this? Can I really give my life to the Lord? And... You know, it happened at the perfect time in my life because I was that kind of teenager who was like, I'm writing the suicide note. I'm getting tired of everybody. You know, I'd yell at anybody I can. I, I got out of school so quickly. It's ridiculous. I, I was uh, kicked out of a Christian alternative school. I was just jacked up, you know. But then I encountered the love of God. And something about it was just too hard to pass up. It was too hard to walk away from and say, oh, you know what, I, I don't care about that. That's not for me or whatever. It was just something about the love of God that really just spoke to me. And hearing about Jesus and what he did on the cross for me, to die on the cross for my sins, it's just something about it was different, you know. Yeah, I grew up in a, as a, in a Catholic church and all that. I went to St. Gregory and all that stuff when it was uh, for, for um, middle school and whatnot. And, you know, I heard the same thing all over again. You know, like I've heard, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about the cross. I've heard about Moses. I've heard about the Ten Commandments. I've heard about all that stuff. But it was different. I never came to an actual Christian church. I always went to Catholic churches where I thought that no one really cared and all that. It was just you go there, you, you know, stand up, kneel, stand up, kneel, stand up, kneel, and then that's it. And then you go home and all that. But then when I really, when I came to that church and I heard about Jesus Christ and the love that he had for me, it was just different. You know, it, it spoke to my, to my heart. I gave it a chance. Ten years later, here I am today. So you see, that's how powerful God is. But I, what I wanted to talk to you about today, as you can see the, the thing, you can put the sermon slide up there, is what Elevate is. I know you all came here today, and, you know, you are expecting to have fun, bring your friends, you know, get to know other people and all stuff, and that's cool. You know, we want that. We want this place to be an awesome place for that. But at the same time, we have thought this out. And we want you guys to know that Elevate is not just that. Obviously, you came to a church today. Elevate is a place where you can encounter God. Now, last week we talked about how Elevate is a place where you, are, where you can be set free. Or if anybody knows the exact title, you can shout it, shout it out. Anybody knows the exact title? Carmen? No? Okay. <laughs> we all caught her at the time. What? A place of freedom, yeah. Elevate is a place of freedom. That's what we talked about last week. This week, if you have your notes, and I know that we all passed them out. I see you guys, some of you guys are starting to do origami with it. You're making like the swan and the turtle and all that. Those are for writing, okay? <laughs> They're not for paper airplanes and all that. You can write on them right now. Today's title is Elevate is a place to find true love. If you, need an, uh, if you need a pen or anything like that, you can raise your hand right now. We'll, we'll uh, pass them out to you. Keep them up and high, up high in the air. 
Let's, let's avoid throwing things at the youth in the youth group. <laughs> All right, guys. But Elevate is a place to find true love. Does this mean now that this is where you're going to find your number one guy, you know? Is this, I mean, that could possibly happen. I'm not saying that it's in the realm of impossibility. Maybe your future husband, maybe your future wife is here. That is cool. Yeah, that's true. But then again, let's remember, guys, you guys are not 18 yet, okay? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so let's just slow down. Let's, let's put the hormones in check. Let's say, hey, no, I'm going to wait, all right? True love. Elevate is a place of true love. I want to give you some words, and I want you guys to tell me what you guys think it is. I mean, you don't have to actually shout it out loud and all that, but kind of write down what do you think I'm talking about. Here are some words. Brilliant. Elegant. Exalted. Excellent. Grand. Lavish. Majestic. Intoxicating. Outstanding. Rich. Amazing, superb, this is not a word, but I would say too good to be true. And the last word, unconditional. What am I talking about right now? I'm talking about the love of God. Last week we talked about, hey, you can be set free from your sins, and, you know, that's great because I believe everybody here, they heard the message. Hey, it's the gospel. We all have sinned before. And now we need to repent of our sins and give our lives to Jesus. But th today is different because today I want you guys to know that when you walk out of this place, you are saying no. If you say no to God, you are saying no to love. You're saying no to true love. Yeah, you can find love in the world. Obviously, you can find love in the, in the bed. You can find love, you know, anywhere. You can find love at Popeye's for all I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I go up there. I'm like, you guys love me too much, man. You guys are too amazing with all this stuff, man. This chicken's too good, all right? Actually, I think I feel about that at Chick-fil-A. At Chick-fil-A, I'm like, oh, Lord, why did you do this? Why did you put this, this beautiful place? Uh, you guys don't even know. What is Chick-fil-A? You're missing out, okay? Chick-fil-A. It's an awesome place. And we'll probably go there for, um, like, a life group, like, uh, activity or all that. It'll be cool. We'll all go there. We'll just chill over there and be like, we're just going to eat ch chicken sandwiches. <laughs> and that's going to be an elevated life group. <laughs> okay, but no, but seriously, this is different. Today's different. I want you guys to know how much God loves you specifically. Now, I don't want to make this a cheesy sermon where it's just like, I'm tickling you. God loves you. God loves you. And everyone's like, I know, Ray, God loves me. My mom told me when I was growing up, you know, like it doesn't mean that much to me. I want you to know, seriously, God loves each and every single one of you guys. What should that mean to you? Just should that mean to you now, thank you, God, now I'm just going to walk away? from that love? No, it shouldn't. Because the Bible makes it very clear that, guess what, that every single person here was created by God. And why were you here? What is the purpose of you even being here right now? What's the purpose of your life? Why, why, is there, why does there exist a Ulysses? Why does there exist a Sam? Why, does, why do you even exist? Why is that? It's actually a really tough, a tough question. And the further you go along into school, you can actually even get a PhD in this. People sometimes don't even know. Or some people will say, there is no meaning to life, and we're all just accidents. We're all just stardust, or we're all just evolutionary apes, and now this is where we're at right now, and that's just the way it is. 
Some people will say that to you. But if you believe right now, man, I know there's more to it than just saying this is who I am. Like I'm not, I'm not just stardust. I'm not just a person from, a, you know, from an ape and all that. If you believe that you were created, that you have a purpose, who gave you that purpose? If you were created, then who created you? Obvi- okay, I, know I don't want you guys to say it. My mom and my dad, I know you guys are going to say that. But they didn't like, they were not in the process of actually forming you in the womb. They were not in the process of, you know, giving you that personality or knowing the days of your life after you would be born. God knows that. The Bible says that he knows even the hairs on your head. All of them. He has them numbered. God knows you intimately. God wants to even have a relationship with you. But what happened with with sin? Yes, sin caused us to be away from God. If you guys can turn in your Bibles to John 3.16. Some of you guys might even know this just off the top of your head and all that. I know this in the King James, okay? So (laughs) I don't know that. I do know this in the NIV, but I do know it better in the King James. Uh, Just so you guys know, we have Bibles up in the front. They're five bucks. We don't make any money off of them. And if you guys have a smartphone, you can download an app, and it's free. Okay, <laughs> so you can do it that way. So I want you guys to always be prepared when we come to church because that's what church people do. They bring their Bibles. If you go to war, are you going to go to war without your sword? Is that, what's gonna, is that what you're going to do? You're not going to go to war without the gun, right? You're going to go up into, like, Afghanistan. You're like, I'm, gonna, I'm here not to be a, a soldier. And everyone's like, where's your gun? I don't know, but I'm here, okay? So this is, this is what I'm doing. No, everybody here, come on. We have to bring our word to church. Amen. I don't get a lot of amens, okay? I understand. It's maybe a little difficult. It's a little clunky and all that. No one likes bringing books around. You have to do that in school. You know, you have to bring them over here. Or if you're a girl, you're like this and all that. But this is the Bible. This is different. The Bible says this is the sword of the Spirit. John 3.16. And everybody here who does know it, off the top of their heads, I want them to say it without even looking at it, all right? I'll do it in the King James, but you can do it in NIV or whatever version you memorized it in, all right? So on the count of three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, come on. Look at that. You see? I got the begotten, the whoever believeth in him. Okay, I'm bringing in the, the Shakespearean and all that. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Does anybody hear what that's saying? For God so loved the world. Are we all part of the world, yes or no? Yes, we are. But he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus that whoever believe, believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you see what Jesus, what what God did? He gave his only begotten son. Now that makes a little bit more sense. Because he loved us so much, it's not because he just said, hey, I want uh, Tony to have a religion. I want him to come on Fridays, say he likes it a little bit, and walks away. No, he gave us that so that we can believe in him, so that we can have a real eternal life. That is what that means. It's more powerful than just saying, hey, I'm here, I believe, in God, I believe in Jesus, and you don't live like it or you don't act like it. It's different. You know what I'm saying? This is different right now. God's love is so above that. And it's elsewhere in the Bible. If you have your Bible, you can go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. 
I know some of you guys, you guys are probably new to opening up your Bible and searching it and all that stuff. So I know it's going to be a little difficult. But we'll, we'll wait for you guys just a little bit. We'll hold on to you guys. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And for the people who have the Bibles, if you're there, you can say amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. Okay, so this is what it says. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is, this is actually using some pretty good logic here. Not a lot of people are going to die for you, you know what I mean? Like, let's just be real. Like, if one of your friends are around you and you're, like, really that close and all that, the chances are, even though that they love you a lot, they, wanna, they love going to your house and playing your Xbox, they love your mom's cooking, whatever it may be, okay? However it goes, the Bible says that it's, it's very rare that people will die for another person. Very rarely will people say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take up the cause. You know, I'll go to war or whatever it may be. But think about it that way. Like if you were in a gun, gunpoint and you were with your friend, what would your friend say? No. Take me, okay? Don't. Just stop. She's not involved in this, okay? You, were not, you and I is going down and all that. It's not going to happen like that, okay? Maybe if you're a parent, obviously you're going to be like more compassionate. You'd be like, okay, no, it's my child. They, you know, their life, they've never, they haven't had a full life. I'm going to let them have that experience. I've had my experience. I'm going to do that. But the Bible's making it very clear. Very rarely will anybody die for a, even a good person. Let's be real. Will anybody in your life die for you, excluding parents, because I know parents will, are going to do that? It's hard. I mean, I've had some close friendships. I'm telling you, man, I've had some really close friendships. We had all those things that close friends do. We've had those cool talks. We've done the, we've had the memories. We would talk about everything that we could possibly talk about. But we still weren't cool like that point, you know, where, like, if I got in trouble with somebody, he would come and he would be like that person. I remember there were some times when I was, at, you know, in a, when I was, like, 15, and I was doing my own thing. I, I used to do, a, like, a skateboarding click or whatever. We used to. <laughs> We used to be called, and please do not, no, you can laugh, okay, but the skateboarding clique that I created was called Evil Nudity, okay, Evil Nudity, and then, because somebody gave me the sense, we actually were doing an offshoot, and it, we were going to be called Dark Sinisters, but that's actually a gang, so, you know, somebody saved me from that point and all that, but we would do the craziest things, I'm telling you, but there were some times, man, where we would be skateboarding, and, you know, I got, like, I just got in, in trouble or whatever, you know, like somebody saw me doing something and they didn't like me doing that. Oh, yes, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. Just I don't want to be vague here. There was one time where I went to go skate at, like, this place that we used to go out to school skate at. It was called The Bank. It was right by my house, and I was not very cool with the people that were there. So I went there, and then for some reason there was, like, an accident in the in the in the intersection. So I was just chilling there, had my skateboard and whatever, and one of the guys, they saw me, and they're like, hey, man, what you doing over here? I'm not, okay, I wasn't a gangbanger, okay? Just no, I was just me like this now. I, I didn't have a beard, obviously. I was very, very clean-shaven back then, but I was just like me. I was like, what? It's like, you know, you can't be around here. And then, like, I had, a, like, a bottle or whatever, and the guy smacked it out of my hand. And I was like, 
what the, you know? And then a cop saw that the bottle was on the floor, and he was like, hey, you got to pick that up. And I was like, hey, it was him. And I walked away and all that, like, all cool about it. And I was like, yeah, you see, I got you and all that. But my friend used to live around there. He didn't care. He didn't care that I was actually in some golf with some people. And actually, he ended up going on that side of the clique and all that. So, you see, people can be backsliders, uh, backsliders, uh, backstabbers. They're going to be hypocrites. People go on the wrong team or whatever. But I'm telling you guys, you see, uh, I didn't have anybody there to say, hey, I'll stand up for you. I'll even take your, uh, like my life for you. But the Bible is saying here, hey, look, Christ already did that. While you were sinners, what does that mean? That when you were at the worst part of your, of your like, self, when you were saying, I hate God, I don't want anything to do with God, the Bible says you were an enemy towards God. What had happened? Christ died for you. Isn't that, isn't that just something else? And I want to let you guys know today that this is a little bit more than even what you're giving credit to. I want you to think about where you're at in your life right now. Who you are, your friendships, all that stuff. The love of God, I mean, God loves you so much, and he gave you the chance to even come to this youth group, to hear this message, to hear how much he loves you, how much he actually, he, he's done already for you. He's already, you know, done the first step. You know, some people say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to get into his relationship until they do the first step, they do the first thing, they initiate it. Well, Christ already initiated it. He's already done more than what any guy can do, what any girl can do. He has died on the cross for you. It ain't about the, you know, the, the rosary thing. It ain't about, you know, the, the, the crucifix on your grandmother's wall and all that just because she talks about it. That's this not what we're talking about. We're talking about more powerful than that. We're talking about an actual, actually, an historical event where Jesus Christ came into the world. He died on the cross for every single one of us. What was he thinking at that point? What was, his, was, what was his mentality? Was he saying, hey, you know what? I'm just dying on the cross for no reason. No, he was saying, I'm dying on the cross right now, and I know what I'm doing. I'm setting free. I'm giving that relationship right now to Cassandra. I'm giving it to, to uh, Stephen. I'm giving it to Tony. I'm giving it to Sam. He thought about you then. And, yeah, we talked about last week about how everybody can be set free and all that. But, man, dude, think about that. How powerful that is. How he already did it. How he's been thinking about you since the beginning of time. He, he's already known about you. Isn't that just amazing? Isn't his love outstanding? Isn't it just too good to be true? Why would he do that? I mean, for me, like, I literally have experiences, I'm telling you right now, where I would tell people, like, I hate God, you should stop believing in God. And yet, Christ forgave that. He died for that. There was times where actually I would write very vulgar things on, on uh, you know, the back of, like, you know, when you get, like, those calendars from, like, the supermarket and all that stuff, and you have, like, the Virgin Mary or Jesus and all that. There was one time a Jesus thing on there. And in the midst of that season, I just wrote the nastiest, vulgar things I, could, I would do to Jesus if I had saw him or whatever. That's what my mentality was. And yet, Jesus saw me at that point. He said, I died on the cross for that, for him. I can't, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine how good that, why would God do that? Why would God love me that much? Am I that important? Am I, no, I'm not. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us here deserve 
Jesus Christ died on the cross for, for us. He was flawless. He was perfect. Yet he did it. As I said, I don't want you guys to just leave out here and say, hey, you know what? That was cool, but didn't really change my life and all that. What you go out to is what you're saying. That's good. That's, this is true love then. With the people you go hang out with and all that. I'm guaranteeing you, one way or another, you're going to see that they're not perfect. That they're not like God. That they don't love you com- unconditionally. That they wouldn't die across at your worst. Uh, they wouldn't die for you at your worst point. Can you think about that? At your worst point. And I get Lawrence to come up here on the keys. The last verse I want to share with you guys is in the Old Testament. It's a good one. The Song of Songs, chapter 2. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8. Some of your Bibles might say Song of Solomon. The Bible makes it very clear. I can talk to you about the, the harder theological aspects of it. But also the Bible writes things in, you know, in, in poetry, in romantic language. And in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the latest. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter has passed. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming blossoming, uh, vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. This is beautiful poetry. It's like he's using an illustration of a man who's so intoxicated with his, his wife. And he comes leaping over the mountains, excited. And he's like, he comes and he looks at her when she's sleeping. He says, come on, come on, let's go. Let's go. Look how beautiful the, you know, the, the season has changed now. It's no longer winter. It's no longer gloomy out, you know, like how we had like Chiberia the last winter and all that. Now it's like, it's nice out now. We can go out. The, you know, the sun doesn't go down until 830 now. It's amazing. You know, there's birds all over the place. It's beautiful. That's what God was doing. He was coming up to, the be- to his wife and he said, come, arise. This is to show you how fascinated he is with us. How passionate he is with each and every one of you guys. He does that. He comes when no one else would come. He comes and he says, I love you at your darkest point. Yes, I love you at that point. I died on the cross at that point. That's amazing. Sometimes, man, like I think about how great God's love is, and I think to myself, wow, like, I don't even, I can't even have the capacity to love it that way. Because there's times when I get tired. There's times where I don't really care. There's times where I'm really frustrated. And yet, I keep thinking about how God is always passionate, always going after me. And yet, he already did that on the cross. 
he came and he was so passionate. He said, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you guys. For God so loved the world. So loved the world. I want you guys to know that. I don't care how hard you are, how much of a thug you are. Everybody here wants to be loved, man. Nobody here wants to be like kept treated the wrong way, you know. That's that's crazy. That's that's torture. If I never gave you love, if I had never treated you right at all, that's torture. If I just never said a nice thing to you, always insulted you, always treated you bad, that is torture. That's what they do to torture people. But God doesn't do that. He says, I love you so much. I want you for myself. I want a relationship with each and every one of you guys. I know you. I created you. When you go to that relationship and you say, I don't care about God. When you go to that friend and you say, I don't care about God. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be as good. Because the closeness that you can have with God is unfathomable. You will never feel the way you feel about somebody as you feel about God. And God loves each and every one of you so much that he would do that. My gosh. Everybody can stand up. I like to be very, uh, very personal when it comes to, you know, the things that, I've done in my life with the Lord and all that. Some of you guys actually already know this story, but I'm going to, since a lot of you guys are new, I want you guys to know this. When I was about 19 years old, and I had just done backslid for two years of my life, I came back to God and I was excited about God, but it was 19 years old. I, I hated living at home, so I had already moved out, but I was basically the couch surfer. I was hanging out at my friend's house, and I was like, you know, hey, you know what, like, I need a place to stay, can I stay here? And it was convenient for the summertime, everybody was cool with it, you know? Maybe you guys have know about somebody like that, you know, you, where you can go hang out at their, their, your friend's couch or whatever, you know, or, you know, your uncle and auntie's house or whatever, kind of like that, except it wasn't family, it was just friends. We were all above 18, a lot of guys were going to college, they were going to write, some of the guys were going to different places, some guys were working. We had a great time that summer. It was, like, amazing. I, I'm telling you right, right now, it was one of the best summers of my life. I mean, I can tell you right now about some crazy stories we would have, driving on highways at 110 miles per hour, things of that sort, you know. It was cool. But then when summer ended, everybody started to kind of close their doors and say, hey, you know what? We can't stay here. And it started getting really tense for me because, like, everybody started saying that. So I had one last friend to go to. It was the middle of the night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. And uh, I did the thing that ever, you, if you ever saw it like in a, like a movie or a show, I threw, took a little pebble and I threw it at the window. And then eventually they saw me and they came down. I was like, hey, man, I need a place to stay. Like, I have nowhere else to go. And what they said to me hurt so badly. I said, no, you can't stay here. And I remember it was just broke my heart and they were saying something like well like what do you think what are you thinking right now am I still a friend to you or something like they said something along those lines and I said a true friend would do this and I walked away and I'm gonna keep it real because I 